Hey, don't paint all product managers with the same brush, okay? <laughs> Whatever the title for this episode is, I'm going to call it The Fight Part 1. Welcome to the Zero to Design podcast, where four designers, DJ, Wana, Saki, and Noor, that's me, talk about design stuff. In this episode, we're going to talk about how designers can contribute to product strategy without stepping on anyone's toes. And for today's design info, we're going to talk about the latest social media craze, which also happens to be Saki's favorite app, TikTok. Let's do this. Let's do this. We can do this, guys. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> so I'm going to be starting a new piece of work quite soon and it'll be my first time as a designer being involved in the uh, kickoff for the project Ooh. And nice. yeah I mean I've never done that as a designer um, as a business analyst I was involved in the beginning defining requirements but this is actually more focused on defining the vision for this new product so it'd be cool to find out what you guys think a designer would do in that instance what their role would be that's very exciting by the way thank you yeah that's really interesting are there product managers or product owners uh, in the lands on the landscape yeah so we actually do have a product owner from the uh client side because i'm a consultant so we do have a particular person who's managing the business stakeholders um and we'll be working in collaboration with them but ultimately there could be conflict and you know, I, uh, there kind of has been okay. <laughs> just from no. just from the conversations that's happened already. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the product team actually just live in harmony 100% of the time where I work. <laughs> um, no, but from previous from previous projects, like obviously, there's always been a bit of a clash. So this is a fresh start, though, and I'm just interested to see how it unfolds. But yeah, there'll be a product owner and product designer, myself, another designer, and the dev team and the business stakeholders on the other side, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I've always been confused, even now that I'm a product manager, I, I'm still confused as to what exactly, like how exactly these two roles contribute to product strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I, I always think like product strategy should come from from solving a customer problem, like so you're kind of representing the customer need and from solving a business problem or like achieving a business goal, like wh whatever, hitting a new market or increasing revenue or whatever. So, but how actually that comes into play, I think the product manager's role is like to facilitate those conversations to happen and for people to get aligned behind the strategy. But then I think the designer should probably have a seat at that table and be able to bring in that customer representation, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think my take on this is the strategy from what I've seen comes from two possible angles. One is the business, whoever these magical people are, have decided <laughs> that they want to hit a certain goal or a certain metric. And that will then trickle through to the initiatives that teams do and you then have to build certain features or certain applications. The other one is where there's been some proactive research in the market or customer 
customer research and then you come back with some problems or some findings and that could then lead to having a goal and you've got to define that in a better way yeah I think I relate to the more the former like coming trickling yeah. down from the business but yeah it depends <laughs> I was gonna say I don't, the latter sounds idealistic to me <laughs> as in like it sounds like the ideal scenario but I don't know how how much it actually happens I think from my experience everywhere I've worked I've seen I think mainly examples where they've gone for like a target market or like a, a business case yeah before starting with uh, a customer problem like I don't yeah. I don't know of of that scenario where someone's just gone hey you know what let's just let's find out some stuff about these people and just you know solve their problems it's more been someone had like a hunch or they had an idea which I guess you know from like a uh, I've worked in startups from that point of view it makes sense because you want to just like get your idea out there quickly because it's competitive yeah but yeah when when we've had projects that have been kicked off and you get the chance to actually just have like a broad topic or area and explore that it's quite interesting because you you may I, i've i've seen it lead to work that we didn't expect to be doing because we found some insights that were quite different to our assumptions or what we initially kind of thought we would go down yeah but like that is a luxury like i mean sometimes people are quite especially you know the business folks they have a, they have a, a vision and they have something in their mind um so you don't really have that leeway to to change that much of what the vision is or strategy is really yeah i mean that actually makes me crystallize my thoughts on this which is uh, a good designer or good product designer the the best skill they can do these days is actually sense check all the hunches and all the ideas that the business have and it's it's a little bit of a reactive thing which isn't the best thing you want to do as a designer you feel like you want to go research first and find these great problems or these gems and then build something amazing but I think a lot of the time it is just reacting to these hunches and ideas and being able to remove their bias and think about the customer and understand is this goal really a good goal and if it is a good goal what's the best way to execute it yeah, I think that's nice, um, but I also... <laughs> that's really wow. nice, DJ, thank you. Good job. It's nice Let of you to say. But... <laughs> no, <laughs> what I was going to say is that, that I think that's really nice, but that also assumes that the designer is already in the room or has the kind of ability or position to uh, validate the hunches or guide. Like, I think there's a preliminary step to that, which is like, getting the designer a seat at the table uh, but also getting the business person to understand like what the designer is there to do and what the designer is not there to do like I feel like a lot of the times if you don't have an understanding of design processes you'll come in and, and expect the designer to bring to life the idea or the hunch or the kind of uh, solution that you've already thought about right and now coming back to product strategy I guess I'm just thinking your job as a designer is to validate some things but uh, and then kind of propose a framework i guess for bringing in the customer into whatever like business strategy has been uh, has been prepared before you join the project very eloquently said 
I'm actually, I'm actually taking notes for, <laughs> for when I kickstart my, uh, my That's next what the listeners project. are meant to be doing. We should already know this stuff, Nor. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> you definitely did a good job of contradicting me, but outside <laughs> of that... <laughs> I just said what you said was nice. <laughs> yeah, it seemed very nice. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah it's a, it's a good point that you have to be actually in the room to affect that and actually that's a big problem that i face because often i'll get pms in my case who i interact with the most they'll come to me with this salute a solution already done or maybe not even done but halfway like half baked yeah and in that scenario that's where i've got to decide you know okay how what, what do i do here a side note half baked is probably the best ben and jerry's flavor um, but in terms of design, <laughs> I think <laughs> is that like a sponsor's break? I, I'm just We're not I'm just even sponsored pitch. by Bennett. If if you guys are listening, then send me twenty twenty cartons. Um, <laughs> but no, I think w- one of the mistakes that does get made, which we got we've touched on a little bit, is just not involving the different roles of product development early enough. Design being obviously one of them and the most important um <laughs> and course. when that happens you ju- you just start you just start building ideas or you start building prototypes or whatever that are just like not feasible or not well thought out or don't quite solve the problem so i think it, it makes sense to start with something and even if that's a business like business case then fine but i mm. think the the problem happens when you don't involve roles like designers early enough to do things like sense checking and i think that for me I've yeah I've I've been in situations where it's just been like you invite these roles such as designers much later and it just there's so much to kind of get through and by that point the business has such like a an idea of what they want that it's difficult. Mm. Yeah. So my question is what do designers do in that scenario? I mean obviously we've talked about education. I mean that's probably one thing we could delve into, but outside of that as well I think it would be lovely if when I started out as a designer, instead of me just thinking about pushing pixels and bringing this idea to life, what other things should I do so that I can actually affect strategy and change the world, which is obviously my goal when I start as a designer. Yeah, starting very small, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Typical DJ. I mean, actually, I'm lucky enough to have my design lead working alongside this project. It's quite, it's quite um, high profile. And the way he's um, approached it is he's going to try and do a Google sprint. What you normally take around five, design sprints, sorry, they normally take five days to do and do it in like this one workshop. Like we have four hour window with the business and he's going to try and condense that into the session to arrive at something. But I don't know if you would, if you think that's the right method. No, I think it definitely is. I think like if you kind of take designers like facilitation uh, skills, which we've spoken about before, I think that can help in aligning people around a set of principles or a vision or a strategy. Though I'm not sure when we say vision or strategy, I don't actually know what that means. But in my head, it's like (laughs) a set of goals or principles that everyone can agree with. And I think that's like a designer is quite naturally a good fit for trying to get people to like flesh those out define them and uh and align around them yeah i also find that 
a lot of the times with like business opportunities or objectives, they're quite subjective <laughs> uh, in the sense that like depending on who you ask, they might think they're achievable or not achievable. They're the right objectives. They're the right priority. Like it's the right opportunity to pursue. And I also feel like designers have this ability to propose uh, like evidence-based frameworks almost to validate these with like via customer research, right? So what I've found really useful in the past is say like when people disagreed on whether or not this is achievable or like a good idea to pursue this new opportunity is to kind of say, well, why don't we test it with a few people? And we do some quick user testing or user research and that just helps to like bring in some objectivity or some evidence to like what is usually like forever going discussions around what different people think is important to pursue and and why um i think i just want to go back to one point you made which i thought was really interesting one or about um strategy because i think you kind of have like your vision mission and goals that you want to achieve as a business and i think um there have been times i've, I've found this as a fault of myself is not understanding enough of the mission for your company or for your team mm -hmm. i think that is so key to knowing the direction you want to go into getting everyone on board if you don't have like a clear mission i think it then becomes very difficult like regardless of your business case or regardless of the customer problem like what dj said he set out to yeah okay fine he set out to try and change the world what's your company or what's your team's mission that for me is where it starts and you know that needs to be that needs to be communicated to everybody and like obviously it's imperative for designers because that's where we have those multiple hats that we think about when we listen to customers then we combine the business need and then we think about what it is that we want to achieve as a company that all kind of fits together and i, I found it to be kind of like a missing piece sometimes like what are we actually trying to do here what do you what do you think makes a product mission um uh, that's Ooh, a very good question, question. <laughs> it's loaded it's loaded yeah. good luck with that um, if, well, I mean, well 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 saki wait i think you should answer that one as the product manager <laughs> <laughs> yeah, god damn it i was hoping CEOs. i would learn something for my job today <laughs> um well i think it's like answering a set of questions you know who's the, who is the customer and what are the biggest problems that we're solving with this product what makes us unique, uniquely positioned to solve those problems? Um, how do we take the product to market? That kind of stuff, which now I realize probably all designers will fall asleep because this is <laughs> pretty product managing stuff. But yeah, I feel like answering those questions and then trying to put that in a nice kind of change the world sentence is probably what a product, I don't know, mission or vision or whatever is. Well, I I don't know about the point where you mentioned designers will fall asleep because yeah, I was going to say the same yeah, thing. I was just, just I was agree. just, I was just uh, trying we to hate make a now. dig at you. <laughs> well, I hate you too. <laughs> wow, that's a good turn. Okay. Um, <laughs> now back to the podcast. <laughs> the reason I took you seriously is because I did kind of agree with it. Like I don't get super excited by the product mission, but I feel that. It is very important for a designer to understand it, as Saki said, and dig it a bit deeper to actually agree with it. I think that's probably the most important thing for me that, you know, at times I would just hear the mission or maybe forget a big mission for the company, but maybe the vision for this latest offering. And I'd mm. be quite indifferent to 
the actual thought on it. So they'll say, okay, we want to target these customers now. And my thoughts could be, actually, I think those customers aren't really going to add any value and there's a much bigger opportunity over here. But I'd be like, sure, let's figure out how we can make a good experience for these customers. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's one of those things that is not maybe not super exciting to like come up with, but is actually like so noticeable when it's not there. And that's mainly because I think when you start solutionizing and like coming up with all these ideas for different product features, if you don't have the initial alignment around these questions, then you just, you might be spending your time on something that's useless, right? So like, because you don't know if it actually fits in with your product mission, if it serves the right customers and all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of you know, as a product manager is like constantly on my mind is like, are we spending our time on the right things? Are we doing the kind of most important, uh, like, I don't know, features? Are we working on the most important work uh, that helps us achieve our product um, vision? And that's really hard to have if you don't have like your kind of basic fundamentals, uh, fundamental questions answered. Juan, you probably have the best um, sight of this because you've been a designer and now you've moved into the more like manager, product manager role. But like you mentioned the word solutionizing just then. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> at what point do you as a product manager or owner start solutionizing? And do you then, before you do that, do you try to take an input from the rest of the team? Like all the designers? damn time straight away. <laughs> just talking <laughs> from past experience, like... <laughs> Um, and I t it hey, tends don't to be... paint all product managers with the same brush, okay? <laughs> Whatever the no. title for this episode is, I'm going to call it The Fight Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that from my experience, which is quite limited anyway, is that um, you know product managers and owners sometimes overstep the solutionizing. They tend to go down that route a lot earlier than expected. And by the time it's like you know designers get involved they've pretty much come to you with a solution and there's not much leeway um to change that no yeah to work outside of that well i was gonna say um first of all i think everyone has a tendency to solutionize not just product managers and product owners also designers yes also fair, you guys fair. whoa 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is like everyone, I think as soon as you come up with an idea, you get excited about it and you want to prototype it and like think about what the UI might look like, not necessarily whether this is solving the right problem. Uh, I would say because of my background as a designer, I probably spend more time in the problem space and less time in the solution space because I feel like now like a huge part of the work that we're doing. I have a lot of people on the team that think about the solutions and like engineers and business stakeholders and stuff like that. Whereas I'm, I'm comfortable to like pull them away um, into more of the problem space. But I've definitely seen the other side as well, where like people think about the solution and you have to drag them back. Yeah. How, how do you do that? How do you do that in the nicest way possible? Like without sounding mean about it, <laughs> like, I don't know. Do you, do you have to be nice? Absolutely agree. Just go ham. <laughs> just go ham. What um, does go ham mean? Uh, it know. just means just be a savage. <laughs> be a straight savage. Do what you oh, do that best, I Wana. Know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think DJ is right. I don't think you have to be super nice and cushy about it. 
No, you, you um, don't. You don't. Yeah. It isn't. So it isn't in the sense that means, like it yeah. helps. It helps to be able to collaborate rather than go in gung ho. Yeah, I mean, not to blow Wana's trumpet, and I really don't want to do this, <laughs> but why we all know her as a savage. Go ahead. <laughs> but but why we all know her as a savage is because she does ask the obvious questions, but they're also tough questions. And I think sometimes, you know, when you mentioned being nice, nor you might have a question in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm sure they probably thought of that. So I'm not going to question their intellect, but actually those are the kind of questions that you do need to ask. And it could be something simple like, well, where's the validation for this idea? And I guess like, especially early on in my career, I'd never think to ask, anyone that <laughs> like that feels really rude but yeah. if you think about it that is the crux of you know how a designer can actually add value um i learned this from i think someone told me about a book about building empathy it wasn't actually related to design it was just real life but one way of phrasing questions if you find them tricky or like could be deemed to be like critical rather than starting with like why do you do this just simply rephrasing to say what's the reason mm. And it actually comes across like, you know, tone obviously has a huge impact, but not asking why has a, has a big difference. Um, you're obviously asking the same question, but just sometimes people can feel like they're being accused or attacked if you start with why. Yeah, I actually learned this on a leadership course recently that if you are in a kind of potentially tense conversation, it helps to rephrase questions, just like you said, Seki, but I think the rephrasing was more like, in order for me to understand X, mm. and then you go in and pose a question. Mm. And I think like what's helped me in the past is like if I don't point out that, you know, there's clearly no customer research been done. It's more like in order for me to understand how to best design the solution, what do we think are the top three customer problems that we're trying to solve? And I've found that people have been more receptive and even a little bit more honest to say, well, actually, we're not really sure. At which point you can say, no worries. I'm happy to like go talk to a couple of test users or it's fine. How do you think it might help? Like what kind of problems do you think it might solve? And then it just generates a little bit of a you know brainstorm or a conversation. One last point for me on this is I think you, if, if at any point you don't see the true value in in the work you're doing you should always raise that um it's like a lesson that i've learned quite recently is if you're ever unsure about the value or you question it you should always raise that like asap because i think everyone will be in agreement that they're not trying to build things that are not valuable mm. Mm, yes but <laughs> wow all right stick into the theme of the topic shooting down everything <laughs> savage that's what pms do guys um, no but like i think one thing i was gonna say and then you made your point which could directly contradicts what i was gonna say okay. <laughs> but i feel like what's worked in the past for me and maybe you guys might disagree is like you sometimes do the shit work and like the ui design for a solution that's clearly been thought through by someone else with little thought about customers and stuff like that and sometimes you do it and you suck it up but the, what it means is 
once you've established that relationship of trust and people kind of build that impression of you that you deliver good work and stuff and it puts you in such a better position to then be able to challenge so it actually doesn't directly contradict your point no it's probably it's a layered one right because it's more you're saying the trust element comes first then you have like a better platform almost to challenge no exactly right like i i feel like now i'm working with new people as part of my new role and i i'm still kind of learning the ropes and stuff and while i know that some of the conversations i want to say no but this is so not customer centric and it's not following a design (laughs) thinking process but i you know suck it up and i'm like yes yes (laughs) and then i try to kind of build up a rapport uh which then will allow me later to kind of be in a position of more power and be able to say, you know, this is what I think is right and wrong and these are the reasons why and this is what I propose we do and then people will be more likely to listen to me, I think. I'll wrap up now. Yeah, wrap up. I'll get the cling film. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the things that we think are good for designers to affect strategy would be to understand the company mission or the vision of a new feature and secondly to actually care about it (laughs) and (laughs) if you don't see the value in it then that's something you should raise definitely and how you raise it is you just question the obvious but in a nice way perfect summary (laughs) it's just that's just taken everything you've we've all said and like made a big mishmash of it (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to get value out of this episode just fast forward to the end Pretty much. (laughs) All right, guys. So for this week's Design Inspo, I want to talk about the most popular social media app in the world. TikTok. It's based on what stats? It's actually 800 million monthly users, even if 95% of them are under 18. Okay. (laughs) No, that, that, that second statistic is not true. The first one is... What do you find inspiring about it, Saki, given that you're the youngest one among us and the target audience for the app? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gen Z. First of all, the actual content on there is hilarious. But a few years back, obviously, we had something something called Vine, which I think everyone uh, should have heard of. It's kind of similar to Vine, but like on steroids in terms of the effects and like music that you can put on. Um, So it's very creative. But in terms of like the actual design, it's incredibly simple. To start using it, you don't even need to sign up, which is quite cool. Mm. You just get in onto the app and you just start swiping. And it's you have like on Instagram the explore page where you like flick through and it's like infinite scroll, right? It's that kind of vibe. But it's fixed on each video at a time. So you kind of like focus in on one thing. You don't get distracted across like different videos. Yeah, one thing I'd pick up on when you mentioned like Instagram in terms of the Discover page, I'd actually say their Discover page is better because on Instagram you have the tags at the top and then you've just got an unlimited uh, stream of videos or photos. Whereas on TikTok, they actually have a row for each trending topic or category. And then in that row, you've got the video that you can scroll left and right. And so essentially you've got access to all these different trending topics. You can delve into them by going further to the right or just keep scrolling vertically as well. So it's very easy to find a topic that you're interested in and then dig deeper. That's mad. I actually don't even use the Discover page. I just use the home page, which has like two elements. Like it has the for you page, which is like curated content for me, which I think is actually 
somewhat unique compared to like other apps that have feeds and then you have your following which is obviously the, the people that you follow but the for you page is like meant to be stuff that the tiktok algos think you'll find funny and generally it is wow they've really found their target audience huh <laughs> <laughs> I've, no i actually think i mean the design of it is not amazing i have to say or at least i think so but i think that what they've captured is um they've successfully kind of filled that gap that vine left i'm still actually a bit confused why vine actually failed but anyway that's a different story vine. yeah um but i actually think you know they've made they've kind of made a comeback to like short funny videos and i know like even people at work are talking about it and like creating tiktoks and stuff so i think the way they've done it is kind of like easy to pick up um easy to generate content and easy to consume as well and to like get stuck into it because of the swipe functionality because you basically just you know, you can get into the temptation. I'll just swipe another one and swipe another one. And even if there's a couple that are not of high quality, you just end up spending some amount of time in in the number of hours on it. I know from a friend, not not from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking for a friend. <laughs> um, the, the other cool thing about it as well, like when someone creates a track or when someone uses a music track, within like a couple taps, you can also use that track. So it's really quick to actually record, which obviously they want you to do. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've made a few TikToks and it's just super, super simple to just actually create content as well, which makes it fun. And then people can get super creative with it. I think a challenge that any social platform will have is the already established players. And one design aspect that I do really like, and I th I'm hoping they put thought into this, but rather than actually challenging the other guys is working with them and leveraging the competition. Yeah. So on everybody's profiles page, if you actually add your um, Instagram or YouTube, uh, well, for Instagram, you actually have a visible logo of Instagram. So it's very easy for content creators to actually share their other platforms they're on. So I know definitely if you look at user problems for a content creator, if you've got a great following already on Instagram, why am I going to start again on TikTok? But actually, if it's a place that I can pick up more people and they get a quick link to my Instagram, that actually makes it you know, a win-win scenario. Very true. It is the same with YouTube, by the way, as well. You get the YouTube logo if you just have YouTube linked to your profile. Ah. Yeah. So what's bad about it, though? As we've had a lot of good stuff. You mentioned the design wasn't great, in your opinion, Juana. What, what doesn't make it amazing for you? Well, I think there are kind of other features outside of just swiping and consuming content are kind of hidden uh, in the sense that the way they display their tags and the way like the menu at the bottom and stuff for me isn't visually and aesthetically the best but also it doesn't encourage me to use those and so for a person that doesn't create content like me um, all I've done on the app is literally just swipe through videos I haven't been compelled to like follow people or like look through tags or in fact use any of the other functionality other than the homepage. no same here actually <laughs> yeah I feel like the features are a bit disparate yeah but did you or did you not spend 25 minutes watching dog videos what who told you that <laughs> i i find it quite intrusive i think the fact that i mean i i think i'm quite intrusive. traditionalist like i don't like to see people's content that i don't know 
<laughs> it's like <laughs> I haven't even I go on the homepage and I see somebody something playing as soon as I open the app there's something playing in the background of a guy like grinding and I'm like I didn't expect to see this yo I don't know what kind of auto-generated content is for you yeah. no but seriously I, o- I opened the <laughs> app before this session and the first thing I saw was a guy like doing some weird moves and I was like who first of all who is this guy and why is he on my feed and I was like I just don't want to see this I didn't know even how to exit so I swiped down and I was like okay finally got away from it I think maybe as a traditionalist or maybe someone who's a bit older I don't really like to share content on, in public and I think it's a bit too public for me hmm. I don't know how to edit the privacy as well it is very public that's fair. I actually think that might be a generational thing as well. I feel like that resonates really well with like teenagers and stuff like that. They go in and just see random videos, whereas I agree that I'm used to apps where like I have some sort of onboarding experience and I understand what I'm looking at before I get a random video of, well, not a guy <laughs> grinding in my case. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point on onboarding, though. There is zero yeah. onboarding. Like you just you just hop into the app straight away. It's pretty unique. Like I haven't had, like even on in, in even on Instagram, you set up your profile somewhat, right? It, it takes a few steps. With TikTok, they have just gone crazy on the simplification. It's it's it is very unique. So is it designed to zero? Wow. <laughs> Marketing has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I think if you really know your your end user and are comfortable, like you know, with the fact that they don't need an on uh, like you know gentle onboarding experience, you throw them in, and if the product is sticky enough to draw them in, and then they sign up afterwards, then yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I think TikTok built something great for their target customers initially, but what do they do now that their customer base is changing so much? That's a rapidly wrap from us at Zero to Design. We hope you enjoyed it, but if not, why are you still here? Maybe you have topics you want to discuss, or better yet, you'd like to join as a guest. Either way, get in touch at Zero to Design on Insta or Twitter, and maybe now TikTok. Bye from us, Saki, Noor, Wana, and DJ.